This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for people like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. I had everything all figured out. It was all ready to go. I had the perfect guest we were going to talk about growing in uh, in our, our spiritual exercises so that we don't end up uh, gaining spiritual weight in the wrong way, right? You know, we, we eat a little bit too much during quarantine and we get a little bit soft around the edges. It's really easy to do the same thing with our spiritual life. And so we were going to sit down and we were going to have this great conversation about um, exercising our spirits. And here we are. We're, it's the day to, to record, the day to get ready, and I, I call him up to make sure that we're all set, and um, I found out that he is very sick, just not at all feeling up to being on the air. And of course, I completely understand that. Uh, specifically at a time like this, he thought that he might have COVID, went and got tested, and thankfully that came back negative. But of course, if, you, if you're feeling bad enough that you think that you have the disease that is running rampant across the world, you're not going to come on the air. So here we are, the day of, and I need to figure out who are we going to talk to. And I have to let you in on a little secret. There's never been a time where it's come time to air that I've not had the right guest. Not once. There have been times where I have not had someone the day of And I have run around like a chicken with my head cut off, pulling my hair out, stressing about finding the right guest, gazing at Twitter for too long, saying, who has something interesting to say, right? Looking through all the blogs, trying to find the right person, thinking, oh, if only I could work a little bit harder, if only the right person would be online right now. I would be able to find the guest and we would have the perfect show and the heavens would open and the angels would sing and everyone would subscribe to the podcast, right? This would be, this would be the perfect scenario. And I knew that if I could just find the right guest, that would be the case. Well, here's what I've learned. God is never surprised when something falls through. He's never surprised when something doesn't work out the way I expect. And right now I'm in the middle of reading a, um, a book by Father Jacques Philippe. Uh, I think it's called On Gaining and Maintaining Peace or Interior Peace or something along those lines. It's one of his more recent books. And it starts out with a very encouraging phrase, without God, you can do nothing. I don't mean that you can do a little bit. I mean, you can do nothing. I would read it for you in a quote, but I've actually lent it out right now. uh, And so I can't directly quote it. But here it is. God's saying to me, you know what? You think that all of your effort makes a difference, but really, you can't do anything without me. With me, you can do all things, right? And so I've learned, uh, having these these struggles in the past, that I've never had the wrong guest, and it's never been because of my effort. So if I just sit back and say a prayer, ask for discernment, and then listen and pay attention and keep my eyes open, and certainly look to see what's out there, get a sense for what the Spirit is saying. The right thing always comes along. And I've had some of the the best shows that we've done here have been because a guest fell through and I had to go scrambling. 
Well, today is no exception. Uh, I've got I've got some some shows for next week lined up as I scramble to try and find someone for this week. Uh, but but alas, I did not find quickly uh, the guest that I was hoping for. But God always knows the right guest, and uh, and and I'm not just saying that because my guest today lives with me. I'm, of course, I'm referring to my wife, uh, my darling bride. Kristen, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks, love. I'm happy to be here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, this, uh, you know, when I, whenever I ask uh, Kristen to join us, the question always, inevitably is, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Because he can, you know, just come up with these wonderfully amazing inspiring things to say off the cuff. And I'm the kind of person that are like, I need to write down point by point what I'm talking about so that I know what I'm saying next. We prepare very differently this for became, this kind of thing. <laughs> this became evident, first of all, back when we were living in Tulsa, I was the director of marriage and family life for the diocese there. And we would do these these marriage preparation seminars, pre-Cana. And uh, there would be times where I'm just like, oh, you know, we're going to talk about this. And, you know, just break him whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, like, hang on. I've got to figure out some points that like maybe will fit in there. And I'm going to write them down so that I can like keep my head about me when I'm in front of all of these people. And I loved doing it. I certainly did. But but yeah, no, I I am much more of a put it down on paper kind of person. So most of the time I don't I don't drag her into this. However, <laughs> however, uh, every time you've come on, it's been just a delight to have you. First of all, they get to see a side of me that they don't typically see. Right. Because I'm a little bit goofier when I'm around you. <laughs> because you have that effect on me. I bring it out of you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> like that like that right there. She did a little a little shoulder shimmy when she said that. <laughs> now, but the other thing is, we're right in the middle. There's been something that's been on your heart for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and... As you know, projects are hard to pull off when you have the rest of the world to deal with. But it's quarantine time right now. And so <laughs> so we've been putting a little bit more attention into this project of, of yours slash ours. And this is the uh, a project that's come out of the way that we live, the way mm -hmm. that we parent, the way that we do domestic church. And so one of the things that we do is we, uh, when we do bedtime, very often, we'll have the kids pray their litany of saints. They'll, they get to choose the saints that are important to them. And they figured out a while ago that if they kept saying saints and new saints, we would let them, right? You can't <laughs> repeat one. Um, so you can't have 12, what, 12 people. Uh, we don't have 12 people, but you can't have 12 people all say a, the same saint everybody's got to have their own and but they knew that if they could keep researching <laughs> and pull out some really obscure people that i've never heard of in my life <laughs> that they could postpone going to bed well we had i think one of the first times this became very evident was one of our sons started listing all of the apostles <laughs> in his <laughs> and it was like just going down the list all 12 of them or almost plus right. a couple of others right that he and I was like, hmm. I'm like, okay, so everybody can I mean, have... that's awesome, but hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up saying, okay, you got five. You can pick five saints that are close to you 
And it's really interesting to see the ones that the children gravitate towards because they have mm-hmm. all have very different personalities and that comes out in the saints that they choose. And so based on that, um, we came up with this name um, because at bedtime we do our litany of saints. You know, there, there's a number of different litanies that are out there and there's the traditional one, the Roman canon, the, the ones that you sing, the, the Easter liturgy ones. But we have our family's litany of saints uh, that we that we participate in in the evening. And not only that, but it's kind of a, a double meaning. I like these double meanings and titles <laughs> because our goal as a family is to make saints. And so all of these little ducklings that we have following around behind us, that hopefully is our litany of saints. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I kind of thought the name also came from just the fact that our children's names, and we've been very intentional about how we name our children and whether it was before we were Catholic or after when you do say all of their names and, and all of them that they have four names <laughs> each <laughs> besides the last name, it is a litany in and of itself Oh yeah, of Saint after Saint after Saint. And so there's that. Yeah, I pe- thought that was part of it too. <laughs> people just kind of stare at us going, you, you, you list off the names. You're like, how many kids do you have? And, uh, only eight. They oh. just have like fifty names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I um, I often will say, "Oh yeah, we have a billion kids," and I say that because people don't look at you quite as funny if you say you have a billion kids as they do when you say you have eight. It's true. <laughs> eight is somehow more shocking. <laughs> so let's talk about the litany of saints. Our litany of saints. This mm-hmm. is a um, basically we've had people come up to us for some strange reason and I, I I don't always completely understand it, but people come up to us and comment on how well the kids do at mass or they comment on something that you've put up on Instagram of a cake that you've made, or they ask us what kind of things that we do in the house to, um, to instill the kids with the love for the saints and the love for the mass. And we've always kind of been at a loss. It's like, well, we, we just, it doesn't feel like we do anything extraordinary, you know, and maybe that's yeah. Why <laughs> you you say that? You say you don't feel like we do anything extraordinary. I look at it, and I look at the things that I want to do, and I look at how kind of piecemeal and haphazard some of the things we do are, and I think we're doing not a great job. <laughs> it's like, but but the fruit is there, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, like even for all of our failings, uh, the fruit is there. You know, you look at some of the the people who are the known for this, the mommy bloggers who are out there putting out just some really fantastic stuff about how to live liturgically in the home. And I look at the things that they're doing and it's intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that I could ever pull that kind of thing off. And so I think that's one of the reasons that um, I'm looking to do this with you, the Litany of Saints, uh, blog slash YouTube channel slash whatever we end up making it. Um, Because I don't feel like the things that we're doing are too difficult for someone to just pull off. Yeah. Yeah. That you don't have to do every single craft and every single dessert and every single feast. No, no, no. You have to do every single dessert. (laughs) There are a lot of desserts (laughs) that you can get into, which is, great but (laughs) but no but it it doesn't have to be 
an extraordinary thing to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. It It is extraordinary in that you are a family living your familyness. Yeah. And that is extraordinary in and of itself just because that's how the Lord made it to be. But in its ordinariness, it's extraordinary. Well, is that let, let's, let's talk for a moment about um, the evils of Pinterest. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's why Pinterest fails exist <laughs> because of the perfection that's out there yeah. that people try. Well, I mean, there's like here, make this, make this cartoon character out of, out of, foods for your child's snack and lunch oh, and gracious they're so cute but i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i'm not going to cut my i don't know what celery into a butterfly <laughs> for my kids that's just not gonna happen sorry <laughs> when i think one of the things about that kind of of pinterest idea is that they're so time intensive it's it's a focus on um, <clears throat> the presentation. It's a focus on uh, making the maybe it, this is it. It's making the child's experience of the world the center of your whole day, and mm-hmm. and how difficult it would be to maintain that pace um, for any length of time. I I just can't fathom being able to pull that off. And I'm the dad, right? I don't have to do all that stuff. Well, and there's there's this expectation of and kind of this imposed understanding that if you're a good mom, right, you will do these things to make your child's life magical. And moms don't buy it. No, Just... don't, because childhood is magical. Mm-hmm. Period. You have mud and sticks in the backyard, <laughs> and it's. Magical. I mean, I remember as a kid, we used to make these mud pies with the, there was this little cove in our backyard where you could kind of like go under a tree and it was like this little, like, it went from the one part of the yard to the other part of the yard. They can't see your hand motions. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to explain it with my words. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was a pine tree. And so all the pine needles would always fall in that little spot. And it was the perfect spot to go back there and just gather with this, you know, pie plate with mud and sticks and berries and whatever. And it was magical. And it wasn't because my mom spent forever in the kitchen making butterfly celery for my snack. Mm-hmm. That is not necessary for your child to have a wonderful childhood. Now, if you want to do that. That's fine. If that's your deal, go for it. Oh, man. I can't imagine that being someone's deal all the time. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Give it a try. Why not? But as a special, extraordinary thing. Right. At least in my view. And not as the normal. Where if you give your child a bag of chips for snack, they're not. Well, what's this? You know, like you don't want to create that like entitlement to I need a creative snack. I don't know if that would happen, but it might. <laughs> but it might. So yeah, we, we look at the things that we do in our house uh, and it's all economy of scale, right? We have eight kids and so we can't replicate this over and over and over again. We have to do things that are uh, that are simple, that are focused on um, giving the kid a little bit of attention and some some joy in their day. Uh, for instance, we had a couple of baptismal days here recently. And what we do is we acknowledge 
today's your baptismal day. It's the day that you came into the family of faith, that uh, that Jesus came to live in your heart. You were washed clean from original sin. Yes, I do say this to my five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they get excited about it. Oh, man. They're like, oh, this was the day, right? I use these big theological treatises, and they're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and they, they're, yeah, they're really excited about it because, A, it's their baptismal day, but B, they get to pick what we have for dinner and they get dessert, right? We we um, we like dessert a lot in our house. And so I, I realized that we liked it maybe a little bit too much. And so I said, here's the deal. We're only going to do dessert on feast days. But see, I know something they don't like. Every day is somebody's feast day. Oh, they know that. But they, but then it becomes the question of like they'll get out the book, you know, and flip to the date. And is this one big enough for, <laughs> for dessert today? <laughs> No, no, no not, not, that, not one. that one. I mean, they're great, but no. <laughs> we like that saying. Maybe if you can tell us a little bit more about them than it's in the book, we'll consider it. Right? <laughs> Go do some research. <laughs> Write me a paper, then we'll talk about it. Uh, but, you know, that just that little thing of recognizing the baptismal day, we had a name day come up recently. The recognizing, hey, this is the day of the saint that you were named after, and the same thing. You get to pick what we're going to have for dinner. You get to pick what we're going to have for dessert. And... And that's enough to make it magical, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have to be a big production because it's focused attention. This is your day. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with my darling bride, Kristen, as we talk about this new endeavor that we're putting together, uh, litanyofsaints.com. And that will be available pretty much right after the show for you to go take a look at and begin exploring as we try and begin populating it with the kinds of things that we do here in our family to uh, to form our children in the faith and to live out liturgically the domestic church here at home. So talking about emphasizing these feast days or these name days, and what's wonderful about it is that one, it's simple. Two, it's it gives that the child an extra little special thing. But then three, it it brings the saints into everyday life, mm-hmm. and it's normal around our house to be talking this way. <laughs> and, and so it, you know, it brings in that, um, the communion of the saints always present with us mm-hmm. and in just the way that we do normal life. And that's how the church needs to be. It doesn't need to be this separate, you know, one of my favorite authors has become Carol Houselander. And she talks about in read of God, how there's the, the spiritual life that people mm-hmm. think of as this separate thing. And this thing that, you know, it's that you have to cease doing all other daily activities to focus on your spiritual life. And she's, no, the spiritual life is incorporated within and is part of all of your life is your spiritual life or it should be. And so it's, I think, an attempt in our case to do that, to make everything that we do our spiritual life and always pointing back to Christ. And there's no better time to, to begin this process of integrating your spiritual life into your your daily life than right now because you don't have anything else to do. <laughs> I mean, here we are. We are at home. We're with our kids more than we otherwise would be. Uh, and to the point that some parents are feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things they have to do to keep their kids um, occupied, to take care of their, their kids' schooling, to Maybe for the first time, maybe, you know, we've done homeschooling before, so it wasn't a, a big jump for us. But lots of people, this is the first time that they're experiencing that. 
And so how do you begin to, uh, to cope with not, not to mention the activity, how do you begin to cope with the stress of the, the drive to be perfect, the drive to have school happen the way it's supposed to happen, the drive for your kids to still be able to have contact with their friends and those that are around them and yet still keep them safe. Uh, how do you deal with this? Well, for us, I think that the answer is bring the saints in, bring the church and the liturgical life in, give them the rhythms of prayer uh, and, and not to overtake everything else, but to really anchor everything else. So, you know, we've never been super scheduled parents. We've, you know, even as having, you know, infants and toddlers, we didn't have a bedtime. Well, we had bedtime, but like nap time is at this specific time. It was more of a, a rhythm through the day of the children knew what to expect next, but if it didn't happen at the exact same time every day, that was fine. And so there was that flexibility there. And I think that, you know, when we talk about bringing in prayer, we talk about bringing in liturgical sensibilities into your daily life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have this spreadsheet schedule of at eight o'clock we do this and at eight thirty we do this and at eight forty five we do this. Um I think we have enough of that going on if there's Zoom meetings for school and and for work and all of those other things. That's already going on. It's it's not adding that. It's adding the rhythm of when we wake up, whenever that happens to be, we do prayer. And at lunch, we pray before we eat. And we after lunch are going to take a nap. And so then we pray a little bit before nap. You know, and so it's that incorporating in the rhythm, but not necessarily the exact time. Yeah. And I said earlier in the show, I feel like we do kind of poorly because I'll say, all right, we're going to pray Compline and then we'll do Compline for three weeks or a month. And then, and then we have a particularly busy day and then it's like, well, tonight we're doing short bedtime. Right. <laughs> right. Tonight, tonight we're going to do a song, a prayer and a blessing and off you go. Right. Um, and, but every night we have something. We sit down and we do a Compline or we do a simple bedtime. Sometimes we pray the rosary together. Uh, sometimes we do this extended examination of conscience where we, uh, not only do we pray the, the one that we pray at church, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, which they really are confessing to you, my brothers and sisters, because mm -hmm. there's so many of them. Um, but the other thing is we allow them to rehash in their mind their day, right? What did I do today that didn't, uh, that didn't honor my family, my brothers and my sisters? And they go back, and even though we make them apologize at the time, this is an opportunity for them to really look and say, what are the things that I'm apologizing for, not because mom and dad are standing over me and telling me I have to apologize, but I really have the opportunity to feel sorrow and contrition and then readdress those things. And so there's the re-exchanging of, uh, of contrition and forgiveness at bedtime. I love doing that. Uh, we don't, and it's so cute sometimes oh. because you know, you, we do have the older ones that they are talking to another about things that, you know, they can understand a little bit more, but then you've got the, you know, the four-year-old, I'm sorry I hit you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I forgive you. And it's just so <laughs> cute. <laughs> and 
and and I love it because it is that it, training them up early yeah. of it's okay to say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. It's good to say you're sorry. It's good to forgive. And then you move on. Then you move on. And that's sometimes the hardest lesson. Mm-hmm. For the one who was wronged. Right. <laughs> sometimes. The, the other thing, you know, there's lots of these little things that we do. Sometimes we listen to audiobooks um, of the lives of the saints. There's some great ones uh, online on the, uh, on the LibriVox uh, mm-hmm. website, which is all public domain stories. There's some lives of the saints. Some of the recordings are better than others, but the books are all fantastic. Uh, and so we sit and we listen to the stories together. And the kids are becoming familiar with the saints recognizing that they are part of the communion of saints and that they have this communion of saints looking out for them and praying for them and and that it's not some far removed thing but the saints are are close and part of our life uh, and that's something that even as they are learning it I am learning it because I didn't grow up with this right uh, I grew up in the Protestant church and so for me realizing that uh, I have patron saints that picked me and you hear people mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. And I kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wait, no, I get it now. Right. I do have patron saints that picked me. And not only that, but, uh, my family as a family unit has specific saints that are different than our individual saints. And this is really interesting to me. I mean, we have a, a Benedictine spirituality here in our house. Um, specifically hospitality, right? That's kind of our family thing. We want to be a a family that opens our doors wide and invites the stranger in. And we do uh, pretty on a fairly regular basis. Uh, And we read the rule of St. Benedict together as a family. We, uh, we very often will use the rule of St. Benedict as in our discipline. We'll talk about, Mm -hmm. okay, well, what does the rule say? Let's talk about the rule of St. Benedict and, what he said in this situation, uh, we use it. Is it is amazingly applicable to oh. a family. It, it's not just, I mean, I know they read it at the monasteries and they, you know, live by the rule there, but it, it is incredible how well it translates into a smaller yeah. family unit. Well, and it, and it takes away so many fights of that's <laughs> mine because I say, no, 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 not everything belongs. And like everything belongs to the abbot. We know dad, right? <laughs> But what's interesting to me is with this really strong Benedictine uh, charism and and w- my wife and I, Kristen and I, are looking at becoming oblates at a monastery here locally. Uh, I'm curious about this because all of my personal patron saints are Franciscans. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, St. Francis, yeah. uh, St. Anthony of Padua, oh, St. Yeah. Maximilian Colby. Yep. All of them. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. And <laughs> so... I'm still, I'm still trying to figure this one out. If you know what's going on, <laughs> you guys, you come find me on Twitter. The handle's at Outside the Walls. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. Tell me, why do I have all these Franciscan saints hunting me down when I have a distinctly Benedictine charism? Come tell me there online. But we're talking today with my darling bride, Kristen Putnam, about a new endeavor that we have together called litanyofsaints.com. Uh, there's much more to this conversation right after this as we unfold a little bit what you can expect there. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today with my darling bride, Kristen Putnam. Hi there. Hi there. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> We're talking about a new endeavor that we have. Uh, that This is one of those things that's been on a honey-do list for a while. Uh, and the the phrase would often come up, you know, when are we going to do that thing that we were talking about? I was like, oh, you know. That, that thing we were talking about. Like, that's that's the name. That, <laughs> that thing. That thing we're talking about. Dot com. Dot no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. When are we, we going to actually follow through on these plans that we have? Well, you know, there's not really a lot of time right now. And then quarantine happens and you could just see her start to salivate. It's like, oh, here it comes. We're going to do that thing that we were talking about, the litany of saints.com. Uh, and so it is, it's happening. Uh, I'm still not exactly sure how it's all going to play out, but the goal with this uh, is to share a little bit about what we do to enhance uh, the life of faith in our children. So domestic church, domestic life, a little bit of the faith practices that we do, a little bit of the craziness and chaos of cooking in 20-quart pots. <laughs> I don't have a 20-quart yet. I've got a 16-quart. Yep. It's only four quarts short. <laughs> so <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this. Um, the idea, way back when, when we had just like two kids, right? <laughs> that was a long that time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Way back when we talked about, hey, let's do an icon wall yeah. and have an icon for each of our children uh, with their either their patron saint or their name saint. And we'll just fill the wall with these icons and invite the saints into our home in that way. Mm -hmm. We never did it. No, we didn't. Because there's, there's a really, there are two really important reasons for this. Reason number one, icons aren't cheap. And, yeah. And, and we... we I would, we have a million children, so <laughs> we didn't then. But but I've always worked in nonprofit. I've always worked for the church. Um, so one, we have uh, icons are expensive, and two, you're kind of an art snob. I am an art snob. It's true, and there's good Catholic art is not cheap. No, there's it, lots of cheap art out there. <laughs> I'll let but you draw it, your own conclusions not, from that. It's it's not what I want. It's not what you want. It's not what I want. So we've been trying to figure out what do we do? How do we uh, have this icon wall brought in? And we're thinking about the website, our litany of, our litany of saints .com, rather. Um, and you have, well, I, I had this idea. Well, why don't we just, you know, do a little sketch mm -hmm. of each saint? But you took it to a level that I was not anticipating. <laughs> Well, yeah, because when we talked about doing the icon wall, I know there was this phase of, well, maybe I'll just make them myself. And then it's like, no, iconography is a totally different ball of wax. I don't know how to do that. And I certainly don't know how to do it well. And that's not going to help with my art snobbery. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so you kind of had this little, you know, you, you sort of sketched out the outline of, kind the of what you really, were really rough shapes, like squares and circles. Right. But it kind of gave me an idea of what you were thinking. And so quarantine happened and I got this creative bug, um, which happens to me often. <laughs> but So I sat down with my, my watercolor paper because 
we were saying we wanted it in color and color is difficult for me. Um, it's just, it's not something that I am as versed in. I was, I did a lot of black and white sketching when I was younger. So, um, so, so, okay. So get out my watercolor paper and give this a try. Um, figured out what my scale was going to be and was honest. Tell them how you figured out your scale. The bobbin? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was part of it. <laughs> but before you got there, um, so you, you have this, what, 11 by oh, 17 11 page. 11 by 17 paper, and I needed eight saints to fit across it. <laughs> <laughs> One for each of the children. And so, I mean, they can only be so big if you're going to have eight saints not overlapping too far, you know, to fit long ways on this piece of paper. So, yeah, that was part of it. So I marked out the paper, like, I, I think they were like, what, two inches wide mm-hmm. or so. And then I figured out about, you know, how tall, if that's the torso up. And then um, I was sitting at my, my painting desk is slash my sewing table when the top is closed. <laughs> and so, um, so I had my thread bobbins there and there was one that was just about the right size for the halo. Cause I wanted all the halos of the saints to be identical. I wanted them to be the same size. So, so that's kind of how I started. And we found several icons and that's honestly how I do saint costumes as well, because they always have that little symbol of the saint. They're holding something or there's something nearby them. And so we found lots of icons of the saints that we wanted to do to represent each child or one that they had gravitated toward for some of them. And some of them are are namesakes and, um, pulled them up on my computer and started with a pencil sketch. And it was so interesting. I I had not painted saints before or, or drawn saints before. And so as I started out and I started just kind of, you know, mimicking the icon sort of, but making it not icon-ish. And, um, and, you know, it's like I would draw this little part where the eye was or the nose and it was like, no, that's just not quite right. And it, and it wasn't because it looked wrong, but there came a point where I got it and it was just like, yeah, that, that's it. That's, that's the right one. And it's almost as if like, I, I don't know that this is how these saints actually looked. It probably is not, but there was something about the expression that ended up on the page that just felt right. And all I can describe it is that the saints were helping me out figuring this out. And, um, and so as each one, you know, we started with Ignatius of Loyola and then we went to, uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, who of course had to be quite a bit shorter than... (laughs) (laughs) because she was only four nine it's still not to scale this is the funniest thing because the child that has gravitated towards her has just been praying like interceding asking for intercession that god would let her stay as short as mother Teresa. (laughs) she has exceeded her by an inch i think already (laughs) and she's so disappointed (laughs) (laughs) you know but there is this sense of um the friendship of the saints Mm-hmm. That that I'm still kind of coming to a knowledge of and and trying to figure out, but just hearing you talk about kind of like the saints are sitting there with you as you're as you're drawing, and they're not concerned with oh you you didn't get that that's not how I that's look not at how all. my nose looks. <laughs> it's about the relationship and the relationship right. of them to you and of them to the children and uh, and this connection that we have Mm -hmm. and so you're experiencing that as you draw this connection that exceeded what you expected it did it was very surprising and um you know and then as we brought in you know i got the pencil sketch done and i was very happy with it 
And so then it was like, okay, now I'm going to paint this and I'm going to ruin it. Because I am <laughs> so, I'm not, I don't do well with paint. I, I do okay, but it's not, it's not going to be to my standards. And again, it just, you know, trying to get the skin tones right, trying to make sure that I wasn't, you know, that I was trying to represent who they were accurately and um, as accurately as I could. And it's just that same thing, just little color choices and how it all just came together. And it turned out beautifully, if I say so myself. Um, and it was such a beautiful thing because there was this uh, familiarity with the saints and, and how these saints are related to our children mm-hmm. and just this family feeling yeah. surrounding this painting as it was done. And it was, I like painting the saints. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. Speaking of you liking painting the saints, we're talking today with my, my darling bride, Kristen Putnam about this new thing we're doing litany of where we're going to share a little bit about our domestic life and our domestic church to give you non-stress examples of ways and tutorials and recipes and everything else that you can participate in and invite your children into as well uh, to deepen and form their spiritual life. Now, in this, uh, there's going to be lots of stuff that's going to be available on YouTube. It's going to be available just to see and to enjoy, uh, hopefully to enrich your life. There's also going to be a Patreon uh, and that's there one because we have a billion children and and every little bit helps. Uh, so we're going to give you the opportunity to partner with us uh, and to get extra goodies on top of that. One of those things is at one of the tiers of support, you are going to paint a family patron. Now, maybe you don't have a family patron yet. Maybe you know about having a, a patron saint for yourself. You got one at confirmation. Uh, maybe you even know about having the the patron saints that find us, that uh, that we learn about, that we pray with with our kids. But do you have a family patron? If you do, I want to hear about it. You can put it over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Tell me who your family patron is and why. Uh, but maybe you don't have a family patron. Well, I want you to go to our social media and see what everyone else has chosen or who everyone else has been chosen by and the reasons why. And maybe that'll kind of jumpstart your thought process of, of inviting a saint to, to be the intercessor for your family. Uh, I have my patron saint personally. It's uh, St. Maximilian Colby. That was my confirmation saint. Um, since then, as we mentioned earlier, I've taken on two others, St. Francis and St. Anthony of Padua. Um, But then beyond that, there's a a couple of patrons who have chosen our family. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is St. Benedict and the other is St. Bridget. And both of those are so because of their expressions of hospitality. You were talking about you thought that Benedict kind of found us. Tell me what you think by that. Well, I feel like he did because, you know, for, you know, hospitality has been our our want and our desire from very early on in our marriage. Um, and so Bridget made more, made sense. I think that we actually looked up who is the patron saint of hospitality and she was one that came up. Well, and come on. She's got the prayer about, oh, I wish I had a lake <laughs> of beer. Right. Come on. 
right. I mean, how awesome is that? That's that's pretty. I wish I, St. Bridget, I wish I had a lake of beer too. (laughs) Right. She wanted to share hers. She did. (laughs) So, so she, you know, I think, I feel like we found her more, but St. Benedict, I don't know how St. Benedict became one of our patrons. Um, but he has most certainly in fairly profound ways. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it was some of them like going to the monastery mm-hmm. near Tulsa like that. Well, so I had been to a couple of Benedictine monasteries even before that. Right. Um, yeah, I guess so. Just kind of as, uh, I guess the, the one near Tulsa was my first one. Uh, and then I, I went to another one before we were Catholic as well out in Arkansas, Subiaco. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so I had had kind of a mixed bag reception uh, experience with Benedictine monasticism as a non-Catholic looking in, um, and and so somehow Saint Benedict persisted because my impression now is very different than it was in those very early days. Right. Yeah. Um, but then I know we we got the the Saint Benedict medals and had a couple of them, and we got them blessed in the old rite, which. Is very powerful by Father Simeon Spitz. By Father Simeon Spitz, who uh, who was on the show here recently, we were able to bring him up. It was delightful. If you haven't heard that episode, go to the archives. It's amazing. Outsidethewalls.com. Find Father Simeon Spitz in the sidebar. Click that and listen as soon as you're done here. I mean, if you want the Old Testament to come alive to you, go listen to Father Simeon Spitz and applicable to your life today. But so we got the, the medals. Oh, right. And so, you know, and there uh, we've got a huge one hanging by the front door. Well, huge. I mean, you know, in comparison to <laughs> other ones, it's like, what, yeah. four inches across? Yeah. Um, and so there's that. But, you know, other than that, I don't I don't know. But but then we've been reading the rule. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely permeated the whole house. Yeah. In that way, too. So. So pray about it. Ask God to reveal to you, ask the saints to reveal to you and to pick you and to uh, show you who your family patron saint is. And if you want a painting of that family patron saint for your home, go visit litanyofsaints.com, find the Patreon link, come and support us there at the tier that's appropriate, and we will get one drawn and i say we it's you. I will. You will uh, get <laughs> draw one and draw and you. painted in prayer. Uh, and sent to your home. Kristen, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Always love. I always love it when she comes on the show because she's my favorite person in the world to talk to. And so it makes it very easy for me to have that conversation. These conversations are probably not quite as focused as the show normally is, but it's just because we have such an easy time talking to one another. And so it's easy to bring in, it's kind of like playing charades with that person that you have all the uh, inside jokes with, right? Because you're able to to communicate in a different way than you would with someone you didn't know. And so if if this has been a little bit all over the place, it's only because we have such a fun time talking to each other. And so I'm very glad to share that with you today. If you want more of that kind of conversation and a little bit more vulnerability, uh, we have an extra segment, unbroadcast segment, that is exclusive for our Patreon supporters here at Outside the Walls. Uh, That community of supporters helps keep us on the air, and I would love for you to be a part of it. Simply go to OutsideTheWalls.com and up in the top right-hand corner, click the Patreon link, 
Find the tier that best suits you. All of them, uh, starting at the lowest tier, $5 a month, gets access to every single extra segment that we do every week and then all the way back in all the archives as well. So go ahead and take a look at that. And we're going to now turn our attention and take a look at our reading from Scripture and church history. So we're going to start off by opening the Verbum Library. Yep, that's the sound it makes every single time. And we're going to take a look at what the Scriptures have for us today. It's the Feast of St. Athanasius, Bishop and Doctor. And we're going to pull our reading from Scripture from the Psalm for the day. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and live secure. Find your delight in the Lord, who will give you your heart's desire. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. And make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and your justice like the noonday. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is right. God's teaching is in his heart. His steps do not falter. That reading comes from the psalm for the day uh, out of the the proper of saints for the, the feast day of St. Athanasius, bishop and doctor of the church. We read that out of the Verbum Library today. And um, this really kind of calls to mind a little bit of that book I talked about earlier. In the meantime of me talking about it earlier and now, the book has been handed back to me because the person I lent it out to apparently had returned it and I just didn't know it. Uh, it's the, the book from Father Jacques Philippe uh, called Searching for and Maintaining Peace, a small treatise on peace in the heart. And uh, as, as I said, the way that it starts off it, he says, in order to understand how fundamental it is for the development of the Christian life to strive to acquire and maintain peace of heart, the first thing for which we must, of which we must be convinced is that all the good we can do comes from God and from him alone. Quote, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. He did not say you can't do much, but you can do nothing. It's essential that we be persuaded of this truth. And today's psalm is very much attempting to persuade us of that truth as well. Trust in the Lord, the psalmist says, that you may dwell in the land and live secure, with the implication that we can't dwell in the land and live secure without that trust, or, or at least we couldn't live in peace in security, right? We would have that feeling of insecurity were we not to trust in the Lord. And then he goes on to say, Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. I can't tell you how many times as a father, uh, even in, in parenting, but even more so in these big decisions of life, knowing that th these children rely on me, I can't tell you how many times I've stressed about my way, right? Am I making the right decision? Am I going in the right way? Am, am I going to be able to pull off what needs to be done? And that level of stress is really kind of crushing. And, and perhaps in the midst of this pandemic, you felt that as there are so many uncertainties. Um, well, I've not felt that this pandemic because of realizing that I can't do anything, right? I can do what I can do and I can trust in God. Yes, I, that doesn't give me license to be lazy, 
Uh, but to realize that I can do all I can do and everything can still fall apart. So what I can and should do is say, here, here you go, God. I give it all to you. Guide me. I'm going to come to you in the morning. I'm going to come to you at night. I'm going to, to check in with you throughout the day. I'm going to see what it is that you want me to do. I'm going to attune my ear to hear your voice. I'm going to commit my way to the Lord and trust in you. And I'm going to trust that you will act. And it says that when we do that, he makes our righteousness shine like the dawn and our justice like the noonday. And what often happens is we say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I trust in you, God. And, um, and I'm going to go all in with this trust. And then we start to fall like that trust fall kind of thing, right? And we don't feel the catch as soon as we expect it to. And so we try to do whatever we can to protect ourselves and we reflex and here it was, we've said, I trust in you. And yet I still have some hesitancy. And we find that as specifically in these days, in these situations, as we say, okay, I'm going to trust in you for our provision. I'm going to trust in you for the things that we need. I'm going to trust in you to keep us safe, but this is looking scary, right? I don't know that I want to trust quite that much. And so it takes time for us to train our hearts and for God to train us what it means to fully abandon ourselves to his grace and to his providence. And when we get there, if we ever get there, uh, it still can sometimes be unsettling. And yet, again, I just keep going back to what Father Simeon talked about uh, several weeks ago, that... um, that the, the unsettling things still happen, but God is with us in the midst of them. And that that's the, that's the true promise is that we are never alone and that God who is capable of everything, the God who created the universe with a word, the God who rose Christ from the dead and whose same spirit is living and working within us, that same God is with us and for us. And so even if we suffer, even if we experience great difficulties, we have the presence of God. Our reading from church history kind of dovetails into that. It's from the fourth Sunday of Easter out of the bravery. Uh, And this is a homily by St. Gregory the Great. I am the good shepherd I know my own, by which I mean I love them, and my own know me. In plain words, those who love me are willing to follow me. For anyone who does not love the truth has not yet come to know it. My brethren, you have heard the test we pastors have to undergo. Turn now to consider how these words of our Lord imply a test for yourselves also. Ask yourselves whether you belong to his flock, whether you know him, whether the light of his truth shines in your minds. I assure you that it is not by faith that you will come to know him, but by love, not by mere conviction, but by action. John the Evangelist is my authority for this statement. 
He tells us that anyone who claims to know God without keeping his commandments is a liar. Consequently, the Lord immediately adds, As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Clearly, he means that laying down his life for his sheep gives evidence of his knowledge of the Father and the Father's knowledge of him. In other words, by the love with which he dies for his sheep, he shows how greatly he loves his Father. Again, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Shortly before this, he had declared, If anyone enters the sheepfold through me, he shall be saved. He shall go freely in and out and shall find good pasture. He will enter into a life of faith. From faith, he will go out to vision, from belief to contemplation, and will graze in the good pastures of everlasting life. So our Lord's sheep will finally reach their grazing ground, where all who follow him in simplicity of heart will feed on the green pastures of eternity. These pastures are the spiritual joys of heaven. There the elect look upon the face of God with unclouded vision and the feast at the banquet of life forevermore. Beloved brothers, let us set out for these pastures where we shall keep the joyful festival with so many of our fellow citizens. May our thought of their happiness urge us on. Let us stir up our hearts, rekindle our faith, and long eagerly for what heaven has in store for us. To love thus is to be already on our way. No matter what obstacles we encounter, we must not allow them to turn us aside from the joy of that heavenly feast. Anyone who is determined to reach his destination is not deterred by roughness of the road that leads to it, nor must 